0: Disposition is a held belief, meaning this is what you believe. Just like we talk about, these things don't affect me, therefore it shouldn't affect anyone else. That is a disposition. Disposition does not mean that it's true or it's false, it's just something that you believe. Divergent is separating, is departing, is veering off to a different direction. That's what divergent means. Divergent disposition means that we have a tendency to go away from the truth, which is God. There's only one truth and that's God. He does not change. There is no shadow of turning within Him. Any deviation from the truth, it has to come from me, from us. I want you to think about what's happening in the story of Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. This is a fascinating story following what happened in Daniel chapter 2. Because Daniel chapter 2, we concluded that Nebuchadnezzar's dream, his dream was interpreted to him by Daniel. Daniel interpreted his dream. He was so enlightened, he was he was so ecstatic because someone not only interpreted the dream, but Daniel did something that no one else, all the wise men could not do in all of Babylon, they could not do was to tell the king what he dreamed. Imagine today, if I told you what you dreamed last night, would that be amazing? Daniel not only told the king what he dreamed but told him the interpretation of his dream. The king fell down and we learned this last week, worship Daniel. He fell down and worshiped Daniel. Why? Do you realize why he did that? He recognized that God was the God of Daniel, of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said that, but he fell down and worshiped whom? Daniel, why? Because Daniel was flesh and blood. Think about it. We choose the object of our worship based on our disposition. Who was Daniel? Daniel was Nebuchadnezzar's servant. Daniel was in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Daniel was under Nebuchadnezzar's control. The story had never changed. We worship things that we have control over. It never changed. We created these statues We carved these images. We made these monuments and we worship them. Why? Because they are under our control. We put them there and they will remain there until we destroy it. This is how we think. We want the object of our worship under our control. Even though Nebuchadnezzar knew that God was powerful, he interpreted dreams, he knew all of that, but he chose to worship Daniel because Daniel was in his control. In essence, say, Daniel, I will put you in jail. And what would happen to Daniel? He would live in jail. And in fact, the end of the story, he elevated Daniel and he said, Daniel, you will be second to me. And Daniel, what did he do? I don't want it. Give it to... Meshach, Sadrach, and Abednego. He did not want to follow into the same mindset that Nebuchadnezzar was in. I will make you greatest of all of Babylon, uh, with exception to me. We want the object of our worship to be under our control. It's not that far-fetched. Those who love to play games, one of the things that I can say that you are worshiping are the games. They are under your control. (laughs) It is not necessarily true that we worship something or someone greater than ourselves. We can worship someone or something that is lesser than us. So in chapter 3, it begins with this. Now God is exposing what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And God is exposing what's going on in our own hearts today. And it begins like this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Nebuchadnezzar. Three score cubits is about... 60 feet are actually more like a hundred feet tall. This is a huge image. I want to dispel any notion of anyone who think that this is the image of Nebuchadnezzar. It might not be. It might be an obelisk because it's so big. There's the probability that it could be an image of Nebuchadnezzar, it's very, very slim, very small. It's a hundred feet tall. It's a big, big image. Now, Dura, is a plane. So it's flat so that a lot more people can see it. So in fact, it was so big that people around their 13 miles around the radius of this image can see it. And not only that, it was made out of gold or it was gold plated. So it was magnificent, it was big, it was visible, everyone could see it. The first verse, this chapter following the great revelation of who God is to Nebuchadnezzar, we see where is his heart? Where is Nebuchadnezzar's heart? Who was his God? It was him. God was revealing that although you know who God is, you recognize who God is, you might fall down and worship God in a way that you think that you do, but in fact... Your God is you. You love nothing more than standing in front of the mirror and say, I am awesome. That's not even true today anymore, right? You sit in front of your monitor, your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your Snapchat feed and you look at it and say, look at that handsome dude. That's me. I am awesome. Be careful because that's what's going on here. You see, that's why I say this image might not be Nebuchadnezzar, but it represented Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a wise person. If he set up his own image, it only lasts during his lifetime. He recognized who God was. He worshiped Daniel because he can control Daniel. But the true God that was over his life was himself it is so much like a lot of Christians today. We acknowledge God, we worship the church, we worship its program, we even, God forbid, worship the pastor. A lot of people go to church and say, wow, the pastor was good today. There's nothing good about man. In fact, in the end, most of us worship ourselves. And that's what God is revealing to this king. This is the second stage. There will be a third stage where we will talk about what happened to Nebuchadnezzar in the third encounter with God. But the second encounter with God, what happened to him here? So he set up this great big image. Everyone could see it. And then he said, Okay, I am going to make a lot of noise. Music, trumpet, instruments, sound. When you hear it, what do you need to do? Bow down and worship it. Look with me in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, who is Paul talking about here? When they knew God, when the Jews know God, who are we talking about today in the scripture? When they knew God, we're talking about the Church goers, yes, the Christians, when they knew God, we all know God. They all knew God. They were called the the people of God, right? The chosen people of God. They knew God. Today, we can say Christians, they know God. But then Paul says this, they knew God. They glorified him not as God. The number one thing in your life that would testify, that would witness to the fact that you are truly a worshiper of God is when you glorify God and not yourself. Nebuchadnezzar recognized who God was, but he worshiped who? Man. He set up an image so that he could be worshipped. See, we like the glory. We like, this, this is incredible. Nebuchadnezzar experienced glory. He saw how his response to God, when God revealed the dream to him, he saw how his response to him was in awe. He was inspired when he he saw that God had revealed the dream to him. And then, think about this, it's so twisted. He wanted the worship for himself. So he created this image. He created... How many of you Honestly, I, I don't want to poke at you all the time because of this, but it's so prevalent in our culture today that we take you know, our image, we, we take a snapshot of our image to the best possible light and view and angle. We want other people to do what? Wow, isn't she beautiful? Why do we care how other people look at us? because we know what it is like when we worship someone who's worthy to be worshiped. And then we turn around and said, well, I like that too. I like other people to worship me too. So you know what? I'm gonna make a selfie image of myself and it's gonna be 100 feet tall and it's gonna be gold-plated and I'm gonna set it in the middle of everywhere so that everyone can see me and bow down and worship to me. I have to say that this is one of the greatest and biggest selfie image of all time in the Bible. Statue of Nebuchadnezzar or this image of Nebuchadnezzar. This is actually brilliant. So no one can criticize him. We know God. You know God each one of you know God instinctively, undoubtedly, you know God and you fear God, but who do you worship and who do you want to glorify? And I say, we worship the church, we worship the program, we worship men, and we want to glorify who? Ourselves. Be careful. Paul says that they knew God, but they did not glorify God as God. Who do you glorify? Who is the image that people, when they talk to you. When they look at you, they don't see, oh, that's a nice image of that girl. They would say, that's a powerful and glorious image of Jesus Christ on that person. Do you acknowledge God? Do you turn back to glorify him? There was a story in Luke, 10 lepers. He came to Christ. He healed them. And then what happened? Nine of them walked off. Thank you, Christ, for healing me of my very ugly disease. A leper is a it's a disease, yes. It's not a leopard. It's, n- it's not an animal on four. You have these skin rotten off of your flesh. In the Jewish culture, when you are a leper, you walk around. When you see people, you know what you have to do? You have to stop and you say, leper, 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 so that they can they can turn the other way and walk the other way. Because you are... You're not really contagious, but you are unclean. If you touch a leper, you're unclean for seven days. You have to offer sacrifices to cleanse your uncleanness. So that's why when you walk down the street and you see a leper, a leper, his responsibility by the law has to say, leper, leper is here, go away. Now, Jesus healed 10 of them. The people who would never in their life take a selfie picture of themselves. If you have a zit in the middle of your nose, those are the days that you don't take selfie, or you would do it from this side, okay? Now, these 10 leopards were healed by God, so now they can actually take selfies themselves. They are clean, but did they remember God? Did they glorify God? No, only one out of nine, it's 10, I'm sorry, You're correct. Only 10% or one out of 10 of those leprous men came back and glorified God. And Jesus asked this, where are the nine? Were you not cleansed by me? Where are the nine? Predominantly, most people, the majority of people will not glorify God. Don't think that when you come into a divine encounter with Christ and He touched people miraculously and they suddenly all turn back and worship God. No! The scripture tells us that 90% of the people would not turn back, only 10%, only one person and it's the most unlikely person who would turn back and who was he? He was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. The other ones were not Samaritan, meaning they were Jews. They were the people of God. They did not return to glorify God except one, and he was a Samaritan, outcast. He was not part of this chosen race. A muggle, yes, he was a muggle. You understand that, right? He was a muggle. Be surprised that the one who actually stuck with God and glorified God is the most unlikely one. Don't judge based on what you see. Examine yourself. I wanna end with this quickly in verse five. At what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. Do this, fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. When you hear music, when you hear the flute, when you hear the sound of music instrument, fall down and worship. And guess what happened in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom when, the, when this happened? When the music happened, what happened? Everyone bowed down except for three. 90% of the people will not turn back and give God the glory. This is the norm. This is not something extraordinary. This is normal. 90% of those of you who heard the gospel will in fact, fall down and worship other idols. 90% of us, although we acknowledge God, will not turn back and give God the glory. But you see, there is that 10%. There's that one person out of 10. There's that three person out of the whole kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar who said, no, I am not going to bound out. I'm not going to defy God because I fear what would happen to me. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 23. This is what we do. When we come into contact with God's glory, we think about it and we say, the right thing for me to do is to worship God, but I don't want to. I don't want to worship God. I want to worship me. So Paul says this, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. It is the word, uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man. Daniel was someone that Nebuchadnezzar can see. Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar know that he would die. There is an expected end. So I will worship that until that's gone. Now figure something else out. We don't worship God because we don't want to, because God is truly greater than us. And that would require us to be truly humble. So what happened is that we know that God is glorious, but then we change it and we take other images and we worship that instead. It's not that we don't know God, but that we don't acknowledge God and worship God as God. There are many organizations out there today. There are many churches out there today. There are many people, Christians, self-proclaimed Christians out there today that will give you a gospel that's easy for you to clap, easy for you to latch on, easy for you to go and live your life the way that you are without any convictions. There are many of those out there today, but that's not the one that I'm gonna give you here in this church. I will tell you things that's difficult to hear. I will challenge you and convict you, and myself included, because I believe that there will be a time when you need to be equipped adequately and correctly so that you know the foundation in which you need to stand to worship God when the time will come when it will be so difficult when everyone will bow down to the statue and you are the remaining few that will say should I bow down and be saved or not be thrown into this fiery furnace or if I reject the worship the popular worship out there and worship God and stand for God, I will get thrown into the furnace. There are two furnaces. There's one that you can see and there's one that is eternal. You will get thrown into either one of them. There's no way to escape it. So choose the one that has the Son of God and not the one that, without the Son of God. If you truly worship God, you will be ostracized. People will hate you. People will denounce you. People will say that you are a fanatic. Why do you worship God that way? God doesn't make you worship Him that way. Just bow down. Just be like the rest of us. Why do you have to be? You hear this a lot. Many churches today are beginning to turn and change. And let me give you some of the things to look for. First of all, if you hear any church, any Christian that rejects, the supernatural revelation of who God is. Everything is just a suggestion that is unbiblical. That is wrong. God created this world supernaturally. What is supernatural? Supernatural are things that are not normal. What natural to you might not be natural to others. So when we say that things are supernatural and we don't believe it, be careful. Because did you know that if I take a sample of your blood, I can sequence it and I can tell you what your DNA is? We all know this, right? So if you committed some kind of crime and you leave your hair behind, they can take that, they sequence it, and then they can tell you the person whose hair this was, was, okay. But did you know that there was a person who had two, separate DNA sequences in them, two separate distinct DNA sequences in them. Is that natural? It exists. And we call that supernatural. Rejection of the completeness of the Bible. If you talk with someone who completely rejects any part of the Bible, that is false doctrine. The Bible is complete cannot add to it, everything that is said here is correct and is true. Any organization, any Christian that rejects that is false. Syncretism, do you know what that is? Yes. Syncretism is this, it's very popular, Christianity is good, Hinduism is good, Islam is good, Buddhism is good, everybody is good, let's come together and have a party. And we call that the universal church. Syncretism is false doctrine. There's only one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Many of your friends will come to you and said, isn't Islam also good? We're not talking about good here. We're talking about the truth, the truth. So syncretism, mysticism, occultism, all those things, all those magic, spells, all of those is false doctrine. The truth is redefined today as a consensus, so if everybody says it's true, then it must be true, right? If someone sends you a meme, you pass it on, and then somehow that becomes viral or truth. Have you seen memes that are, that are flat out wrong, they, they can't even do simple math? But then we pass it on to say that it's true. The truth is not redefined because so many people said it's true. Truth is defined by the Bible. Denial of God's deity, of Christ's deity and his humanity. That is false. Jesus Christ was not just a man. He was God. Any denial of that is false. Rejection of a literal heaven, a literal hell is false. There is a heaven, despite what you have heard. There is a hell and there is eternity. It's real. Any rejection of that is false. Salvation by human merits, other than the complete and sole work of God is false. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot do anything to warrant your salvation. Lack of knowledge also leads to idol worship. False religion is your lack of knowledge of the Bible. That's why we spend so much time here to teach you the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you are in danger of false religion. False religion, Roman, I wanna end with this. Chapter one, verse 32. This is the greatest false religion. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Meaning, not only you know what you do is wrong, but you have pleasure and you want other people to do exactly the same thing. Be careful, because there's only one truth, and that is God's truth. And we are here to study, to learn, to worship, so that we understand what the truth is, that we don't end up worshiping, false idols and ourselves. I thank you for your mercy on us today. And as we come together to seek the true worship of you, I ask, Lord, that you give us the humility to bow our hearts and our knees, not to men, not in front of a mirror, but to you. God, I ask for grace so that we can stand in the place of humility. That when we lift up our hands and we come to the end of who we are as selfish beings that we acknowledge, and not only that, recognizing who you are and come to a place where we give you glory. That's due your name. Help us, Lord, to take away the aisles that is so difficult for us to remove. That is ourselves, the object of our worship, the image that we desire so much not only for us to worship, but people around us to worship us. Help us, Lord, especially this generation. Just take a step back and ask the question, is what I'm doing, is my life glorify Jesus Christ? I pray this, Lord, for each one in this room today. In the name of Jesus.